Oh, this is how I found out. I found out via uh, Twitter. I was, oh. uh, at the time I was working security. It was the summer. I think it was like either June or July. I was working security. I was in Frankfurt, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. And I'm just chilling. I'm scrolling through Twitter, you know, not doing my job. And so I see that Derrick Rose got traded to the New York Knicks. And so first thing you know, I'm looking for the blue check mark. I'm making sure, okay, is this official? Because, you know, sometimes people be making these fake ESPN pages and, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski pages. And so it was like legit. And then the text messages started coming in from all my friends. Oh, man, it's crazy. D-Rose got traded. What? What's going on? So I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This cannot be real life. So I had turned on the radio, old school, right? Turned on the radio. And I'm listening to ESPN 1000. And they're like, you know, Derrick Rose just got traded to the New York Knicks. Da, 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 da. We taking calls. And I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. So I just sat there. And I ain't going to lie to you. I cried. And the reason why I cried was because... To Chicago, regardless of how you may have felt about Derek and his comments about, you know, I want to make sure I can be able to stand up at my little kid graduation at PJ's graduation and all that. And people, you know, felt some type of way about him. For the black community, I'm just speaking for, I can't, I, you know, I'm just speaking for, you know, Southside. He was a, he, he had. When I was at ESPN, prior to joining the social media team, I was always active on social. When I worked on Mike and Mike, I used to, as soon as the show would go live, you would find me tweeting about it. Around that time, I met a lot of my friends who would later become colleagues via Fox Sports 1340 or other places. One of them is my good brother who's coming on today's episode. The one, the only, Josh Vincent. Josh actually used to write for Derrick Rose website. Yes, the Derrick Rose, the youngest NBA MVP ever. So he's since then have gone on to do bigger and better things. And obviously that was something great. But sit back because I can't wait for you to hear his story because we talk about his experience writing for Derrick Rose. Obviously when our paths came together at fox sports 1340 and of course what he's doing now working in news ladies and gentlemen joshua a vincent as i said in the opening twitter has a great way of building family and friends now josh is somebody i actually met while i was at espn just because we all love tweeting about sports and I'm so happy to have him on the line. The one, the only Joshua A. Vincent. Josh, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing good. Brian, how's it going? How's it going? Thank you for having me. It's good, man. So, you know, man, long time. This has been about six, seven years now that we've known each other. Yeah. But you, <laughs> so <laughs> let's get right to it. When did you decide that journalism was for you? Man, it was after I was trying to get into meteorology and the calculus classes were just too hard. You know, it was just like the math just wasn't for me. So um, I had just left school in Milwaukee. I had did a journalism class up there. That's when I first kind of got my taste of sports journalism. I was getting ready to transfer to the University of Memphis so I could finish out the last little couple of years of school. And I just fell in love with every aspect of uh, journalism. I mean, I was doing more sports things, but um, I just fell in love with the idea of writing, storytelling, you know, going in front of a camera, 
you know, podcasting, doing things with the radio. I mean, I just enjoy all, all aspects of it. So that's when I decided, okay, if I can't, you know, fulfill my dreams of meteorology, I can go out and uh, do something with journalism. All right. So and what school did you start off at again? Okay. So I kind of went to every school you could think of. So, <laughs> so when I first went off to school, uh, I went to University of Central Arkansas, but I only went there for like a few weeks uh, because I didn't like it down there. Same school Scottie Pippen went to. So then I had decided to wait till the spring and I started off my school career at uh, Northern Illinois University. Then I went to school up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for a little while. And then finally, I decided to uh, transfer to Memphis where my parents had moved when they decided to retire and then graduated at the University of Memphis last spring. Well, man, so you just graduated last spring. But for anybody who knows you, knows that you've been deeply ingrained in sports for almost a decade now, uh, yeah. especially when it comes to journalism. When I met, you were the writer for Derrick Rose website, former MVP, mm -hmm. a good close friend of yours. Um, you being from the Chicago area, he's from Chicago. Can you talk about that, what that experience, how did that come about? Because that's what people want to know. How did you become Derrick Rose official writer for his website? Okay, so it was kind of funny how that worked out. So um, at the time, before I met D. Rose, I was up in uh, Minnesota uh, just kind of freelancing, if you will. I was actually doing a school project when I was still over at school in Milwaukee, covering things with the Timberwolves, writing about some of the young players that would play against the Timberwolves. So, you know, your Shane Larkins, Trey Burke, people like that. So this was had it them in like 2014-ish. And so I was tired of paying for my own travel going up to uh, Minneapolis all the time. And I had, uh, my auntie told me, she said, well, you know, we got a cousin that, you know, works for Derrick Rose. And, you know, Chicago, everybody knows somebody that knows Derrick Rose. So I'm just like, I ain't never heard of this cousin. I don't even know what you're talking about. But she was like, yeah, you know his name, Dre. You should, you know, get to know him. So the Bulls ended up playing against the Timberwolves. And D. Rose was hurt that year. But he was still, like, traveling with the team. And DJ Augustine was their point guard. And so I had met Derek in the, in the, in the hallway, uh, in the locker room. And I was like, hey, you know, you don't know me, but I'm Josh Vincent. You know, I'm from Chicagoland, too. And he was like, oh, yeah, what part? Where are you from? You know, that's how D-Rose talk. And so I was like, I'm from uh, Park Forest, Illinois, the south suburbs. But, you know, I got a family on the south side. I was like, Dre is my cousin. My auntie said you would know Dre. And he was like, oh, you know Dre. And he just embraced me like we were a family. So um, since that moment, uh, fast forward in the story, later on that summer, Team USA did these workouts in Chicago. And Derek, you know, came off injury and he was going to be participating in Team USA. So I had uh, saw him again after we did an interview and I told him that Dre was my cousin and I wanted to, you know, write about him and I could, you know, use his website as my affiliation because, you know, the Bulls wasn't really giving credentials to high school students. I mean, you know, in high school college students at the time. And so uh, we had talked about it and he was like, yeah, let's make that happen. And so then that's when I finally got Dre's contact information and introduced myself. Uh, and, you know, he knew my mom and my auntie and stuff like that, but I never met him until the actual Bulls games. And then from there, that's how I kind of officially became came like Derek Rose's journalist, even though a lot of my work never made it to his website because they just never let me have full reign. It was more Twitter and Instagram based, which was fine. I got a chance to just kind of follow D Rose around from those last few years he had, the last couple of seasons that he had in Chicago and then right before, you know, he got tra uh, traded to New York. So that's how 
I kind of, that's how our paths crossed, actually. That's how we got the chance to know each other because of what I was doing in Chicago with D. Rose. Yeah, so um, I, I remember, you know, that vividly. Um, and it was cool to kind of follow you on Twitter to see what was going on. Can you, do you have any stories that you can share about your time when you were working with him? Yeah, I mean, Derek was like the coolest guy in the world because he wasn't necessarily like the big, the biggest fan of like media interviews because he does kind of have like this quiet persona, if you will. But like some of my favorite moments were just kind of talking with Derek about anything. And it didn't even have to be interview purpose. Like I could just ask him a question about basketball and just just pick his brain off, you know, uh, different plays that he may have, uh, you know, did or whatever the case may be. And he was just so uh, deep in that regard. And so that was pretty cool. And it was also funny just kind of bringing things to him about what was going on on social media. I was telling him like, oh yeah, man, people want to see you dance. You know, we should do this, that, and the other. Like I come up with like crazy ideas and he'll just be like, oh no, man, I'm good. I ain't doing all that. And then, you know, I remember my favorite, you know, interview with him was when Kobe Bryant had announced his retirement. And that's when Kobe went on that farewell tour and he was coming into Chicago. But before Kobe came to Chicago, I had, you know, did a one on one with Derek about, you know, what his career would be like, you know, as far as like, did he learn anything from Kobe? And like, do he think about retirement? Do he think about those things? Because, you know, those conversations have happened in Chicago with Derek and his injuries. And so we had a real in-depth uh, conversation about that, which was really cool. And then finally, I like the fact that Derek was always in tune with you know, trying to help out the younger college players if anybody needed help. You know, it was a couple of guys that, you know, I knew like Alex Robinson at TCU at the time and uh, James Bolden, who was playing at West Virginia, he actually suffered an injury. And so he was like, Derek Rose is my favorite player. Ask him about like, how did he get through that process? And Derek dedicated three minutes of our interview about advice he would give to James Bolden, you know, who was going to West Virginia at the time. So it was kind of cool how he really cared about, you know, being that voice and, you know, reaching out to the younger generations of hoopers that were coming up. So uh, he, he pretty dope guy. Like I said, I got nothing bad to ever say about D Rose. He the reason where I'm where I am at today. So that, it ain't nothing but love. Yeah, y'all still talk often. I haven't talked to him in a while. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, when he went out to New York, I had started going to school in Memphis, and um, the last time I saw and spoke to Derek would have had to been maybe like a couple of years ago when uh, they played against the Wizards. Um, I saw him in D.C. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I think it was either in D.C. or Cleveland. I saw him in one of them places. Uh, either, either I saw him in Cleveland or I saw him. I think it was Cleveland. Yeah. When they was playing with the Cavs, I saw him in Cleveland when the Wizards came out there. And that was like one of the last times I got a chance to like really chop it up with him. But um, it's not beloved, though. It's not like we fell out or nothing like that. You know, he just kind of doing his thing, you know, and I'm out here, you know, doing my thing. But uh, yeah, it was it was real good to get that experience and like you say work with the youngest MVP uh you know that was that was just awesome yeah because I mean at a time you was writing for him like so one of my favorite Derek Rose moments is the shot against Cleveland mm -hmm. it was a Friday night I was working at ESPN shout out to my boy Colin Fleming we were the only two social media people and by this time you and I are connected uh via social media you know and that was the night when him, you know, they were down by two. Mm -hmm. I think were down by one or one point, and <clears throat> I wrote in the score because I just, you know, you have a feeling. So I wrote out the tweet, 
and he made the shot. And you know, if you look at the meme that go, that circulates <laughs> with him, yeah, that's ac- that's actually my screenshot. Really? I, yes. So you got to get story. that copyrighted, man. You got to get you got to get you got to get your coins, man. That's crazy. <laughs> I, it, right, because the Getty Images had the angle from a different point of view. From mm-hmm. um, it, it's uh, it's from a sideline point of view. I mean, a, a ninety degree angle. I caught the corner when they put it on TV, and they said, "Screenshot that. Let's make a meme." And we started the Sports Nation meme game. So that was you know it was a funny story. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but you're Great. there. So can you talk about that season and what it was like to work? Because, you know, um, at the time of the recording, by this time, by the time this airs, we'll be well into the thick. We'll probably be finishing up the last uh, dance. But mm-hmm. you're working there at a time where, let's be real, the Bulls have only been relevant twice. Yeah. I know that's your team, but they've only been relevant Michael Jordan. And Derrick Rose. Yeah, Yeah, you know, you had some stops here or there. We want to see it get back to relevancy. But can you just talk about what it was like working during, especially those type of games, you know, in the thick of it. They were my pick, actually, to Mm -hmm. represent the Eastern Conference in the uh, finals. I had them going instead of the Cavs that year. But can you just talk about what it was like to work? I mean, you're there between... The jabs between Joaquin Noah and LeBron James. Who wants to go to Cleveland? You know, yeah. what was it like? Man, it was amazing. Um, you know, the 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 energy in Chicago was was so fun because, as you mentioned, you know, people haven't had that love for the Bulls since ninety seven, ninety eight. Because after that, it was just like nothing going on with Chicago. And then it was uh, almost, what, 10 years later, 11 years later, when Derrick Rose, you know, was picked by the Bulls, then that's when, you know, that energy kind of came back. But yeah, man, I was there at that game when, uh, when Derrick shot that shot. And like and from, from where I was at, at the press box, you couldn't really see his facial expression. I just remember everybody rushing to him and picking him up. And he was just kind of like real chill. And the audience was like crazy. The fans were going crazy. And just that whole press conference vibe was just so, so cool. And it was like that was that time where you just felt like, OK, this might be the Bulls moment. But then obviously, you know, the Cavs, you know, eventually won, <laughs> eventually won that series. And it was just unfortunate. Too, because then, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't the next year that's when Thibodeau ended up getting fired. So it was just kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, it was all that hype going into that, like, man, the Bulls could just finally come, you know, get over that. And, and they did. And it was just kind of like a letdown. But I think a lot of people will forever remember that moment, you know, and it was just a lot of fun for me. Again, just being a Chicago kid, a Chicago guy, just kind of writing about the Bulls, you know, writing about, you know, Derrick Rose, writing about the excitement and the electricity in the city. Uh, it's kind of sad that even though Chicago just hosted All-Star this year in 2020, like it, that level of enthusiasm as far as basketball fans wasn't really there. And it had nothing to do with the cold weather. It was just because, I mean, the Bulls were basically irrelevant. You know what I'm saying? It was like there was no representation of nothing, you know, for All-Star and uh, for the Bulls other than what Zach Levine, I think, did the three-point competition. But, you know, who cared about that? So and from my standpoint, yeah, I just feel like the Chicago fan base was just so excited to really rally behind that team. And it was just unfortunate that after that, 
things just dwindled off. You know, Thibodeau ended up getting fired. Hoyleberg came in. Things didn't work out. Derek got traded. A lot of folks left. And then it was just like, who are the Bulls now? And it's just unfortunate that's just, it's just such a, you know, historic franchise that, you know, even the documentary everybody was watching, like, oh, my God, you know, that documentary, you know, is so great. You know, it's just unfortunate that, you know, we're still holding on to something that happened over 20 years ago. You know, more you know, it's just sad that we don't have nothing of more recent time to hold on to. Yeah, that's true. And I got two more questions regarding that because you obviously you got a lot to cover, but this is such a great story. Okay. Um, and it's such a great interest at times. One, during that time, what's it like? Because now I've covered the Orioles. Um, I know some people have covered their teams. You mm-hmm. growing up, like you said, a Chicago kid. What is it like? One is, are the Bulls your number one team? Like, are you a diehard Bulls fan? Or is... nah, I'd be lying to you if I said I was a diehard Bulls fan. So, like, okay. for, for me, I love the Bulls. Don't get me wrong. Like, if, if you say, well, what's your favorite team? I'm going to say Bulls by nature, right? But mm. I've always been the basketball fan of certain players. So, like, if you were to say, well, who are your favorite players? Oh, we know. Tell them. <laughs> I'm scared to say. Okay, so <laughs> no, you gotta you gotta say it. You gotta all tell right. him. Danny Richard Green Jr. is my favorite <laughs> basketball player of all time. So hey, I'm like, not mad at you. North Carolina, you, baby. North Carolina, you know. Shout I'm out to like. our friend Kiara Luck, who uh, had him on her uh show too. Oh, yeah. I wanna... shout, shout out to Kiara. Yeah. See, look, she out here getting all-stars. I'm just gonna call him all-star. <laughs> She's out here getting all-stars on her show. You know, he's an all-star to me. But anyway, but the point that I'm making is is that um yeah, so, like, I have, like, favorite players, per se, versus favorite teams. So, um, but the Chicago Bulls, if you say, well, all right, you got to rock with one NBA team, the Bulls will be my default team. Okay. Now, the night, the, the morning I found out, I was, I'll never forget, I was sitting on my computer, I found out Derrick Rose is getting traded. <laughs> And Josh, I remember you having so many Twitter tears. <laughs> yeah, it was sad. It was a sad day. And, 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 and I had to reach out. You, my bro, you know, yeah. obviously wasn't as close as then as we are now. But yeah. can you just talk about that moment and your thoughts, if you don't mind being a little transparent on everything yeah. that went through your mind? You're, you know, like you said, we talked. You've been, you know, introduced, given all this access for a young kid, and you handled it well. I tried. All this access yeah. for a college student, people work their careers and haven't gotten to this point yet. But here you are, and yeah. you're doing a phenomenal job for Derrick Rose. All of a sudden, the rug is pulled out from under you because, unfortunately, which nobody understood, he gets sent to New York. Yeah. What was so- your... Basically, and how did you find out? Oh, this is how I found out. I found out via uh, Twitter. I was, uh, at the time I was working security, it was the summer, I think it was like either June or July. I was working security. I was in Frankfurt, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. And I'm just chilling. I'm scrolling through Twitter, you know, not doing my job. And so I see that Derrick Rose got traded to the New York Knicks. And so first thing you know, I'm looking for the blue check mark. I'm making sure, okay, is this official? Because you know, sometimes people be making these fake ESPN pages and, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski pages. And so it was like legit. 
And then the text messages started coming in from all my friends. Oh, man, it's crazy. D. Rose got traded. What? What's going on? So I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This cannot be real life. So I had turned on the radio, old school, right? Turned on the radio. And I'm listening to ESPN 1000. And they're like, you know, Derrick Rose just got traded to the New York Knicks. Da, 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 da. We taking calls. And I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. So I just sat there. And I ain't going to lie to you. I cried. And the reason why I cried was because... To Chicago, regardless of how you may have felt about Derek and his comments about, you know, I want to make sure I can be able to stand up at my little kid graduation at PJ's graduation and all that. And people, you know, felt some type of way about him. For the black community, I'm just speaking for, I can't, I, you know, I'm just speaking for, you know, Southside. He was, a, he, he had already made it. Derek never had to win a championship or nothing like that. For us, Derek went from Inglewood to living in Trump Tower. And I know, you know, people had their feelings about Trump, but the point that I'm making is he went from the south side of Chicago to living in a beautiful penthouse in downtown Chicago, from the hood to downtown. And, you know, that what more would you want as far as somebody to look up to? What more would you want as far as, like, you know, a, a great story to be able to tell? So I cried because, number one, that it was just like Chicago's very own was taken out of Chicago. So that was hurt. That, that hurt. Number two, you know, for people that may not understand like how media credentials work, this, that, and the other, especially if you're not looked at as like a legit official journalist, basically my access to Chicago subsequently ended that day because Derek was my access to Chicago. I didn't have credentials in Chicago until my relationship with Derek. And so that was gone. So it was just so many things that I just, just didn't know. Like, well, what happens in the future? Like, like what, what does my future now entail? And so uh, it was a real, you know, sad moment. And, but like you say, the cool thing was not too long after that, it was great that our paths intersected because then that's how I ended up at Fox Sports with you. Yeah, yeah. So by this time, you know, I'm, Back in Baltimore, Maryland, I'm working with uh, shout out to Glenn Thomas. Yeah, uh, GT, what up? Shout out to him. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know he gave us so many great opportunities. And I remember yeah. you reached out, and and young folks out there, you know, this show is catered towards young aspiring people who are trying to figure out what they want to do in life. Granted, most of the guests on here have been journalists, okay. but that's the field I'm in, right? Yeah. Uh, and I like to, with this podcast, I like to share my network with the world. For sure. Josh reached out to me with a plan, a game plan, uh, a plan of execution and an action. Yeah. He said, hey, um, Kelly Oubre, Kelly Oubre Jr. was getting ready for the uh, Summer League. And yeah. we was the DC affiliate. And you said, hey, can I you know, work with you guys. I want to go out there, go to DC. I mean, go to Vegas, cover mm -hmm. him, write a story, <laughs> put it on the website. That's the only way we get access. Yeah. You did that. All of a sudden, I mean, things just blow up. Talk yeah. about what it was like to step out of the shadow because anybody else could have said, I'm done. Derek is done. Sure. You could have attempted to follow him to New York, but then you, you know, that would have been following him to New York then to was it minnesota then detroit 
Yeah, yeah, it was like, like yeah, it was like it was it was a whole bunch of other stuff. So I think he like got traded to Utah, but then was dropped, and then he ended up in Cleveland for a little bit. Oh yeah, he Cleveland. Yeah, he ended up for Cleveland for a little bit. Then he ended up in Minnesota for a little time, and then I, I think he in Detroit now, right? So I'll be like, he kind of been <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, so yeah, so, and, yeah. And mind you, let's be real. This is around the time when he's becoming a journeyman. He's yeah. not the MVP guy now. He would reach back to that status, but this is about Josh Vincent. Right now we get to the point <clears throat> you're stepping out of Derrick Rose's shadow. Yeah, how did you now you're going into these locker rooms? You're going into talking to these uh press people. How did you kind of I don't want to say the stink, but how did you brush off the Derrick Rose journalists off of you? Oh, so what I ended up doing was. And prior to that, remember, I was already making relationships with some of these younger players. Prior to meeting Derek, prior to writing with Derek, I already had relationships with the CJ McCullums, the 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 um Damian Lillard to a certain extent, uh Shane Larkin, Trey Burke, people like that. So it was already natural for me to kind of like build relationships with players. And so I always considered myself like the players' journalist. You know, I wanted to be that guy to write about the players and talk about their stories. And that's kind of what I did with Derek. That's a lot of what I did with Derek. So when Derek went to New York and me trying to get out to New York was going to, you know, be very complicated, as you mentioned. And there was a lot of uncertainty as far as like what was going to happen anyway. Um, when I had went out to Summer League and got a chance to link with Kelly Oubre, a lot of these guys recognized me as, oh, he, he's Derek people. So he cool people's. So, like, that's how people would see me, John. Well, there's Derek people. Can't Kelly Uber, there's Derek people. Like, people realized, <laughs> recognized me as Derek people, but then they eventually they learned my name. So, after that, it was really cool because I got a chance to go from maybe covering a specific player in Chicago to working at Fox Sports 1340 AM uh, to covering an actual team. So, it didn't matter who was all on the team, my beat were, were the Wizards as a whole. And so the cool part of that was getting the chance to build multiple relationships with multiple guys on the same team. And it was great building a relationship with John Wall. It was great building a relationship with Kelly Oubre. It was great, you know, building a relationship with Bradley Bill to a certain extent. So it was like I was getting the chance to do all those things. And then, as you mentioned, Glenn Thomas gave us so much access, we started talking about covering the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. So how these things kind of coincide I was based in Memphis at the time, and I told y'all, I said, well, look, we uh, this was before we had the Panthers on our radio. So I was like, well, look, everybody, you know, covering the Redskins, you got the Giants, you got all these other teams in NFC East. I know Dak Prescott through a random Snapchat conversation, kind of, sort of. He may not know who I am personally, but one time he threw his Snapchat name out there many years ago when he was at uh, Mississippi State. Let me go down to Dallas. I can pull connections and streams and start covering the Cowboys. And if you remember, I was covering the Cowboys for Dak Prescott's first year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I built a relationship with Dak and then got a chance to meet his brother Thaddeus and everybody else. And so it was kind of like I started covering the Cowboys and everything was cool down there. So it was like John Wall was a Cowboys fan. So what I learned as a journalist and, you know, many before me taught me this, like, hey, don't look at these guys as just players. Look at these guys like they're actual human beings, like they have common interests just like everybody else. So when I found out that JW was a, that's what I call him, you know, I know him like that. Okay. When I found out <laughs> that JW was a, a the Cowboys fan, 
I start telling them how I'm covering Dak and I'm going down to, you know, Texas this weekend, woo woo out the bam. And so then we start doing interviews about the Cowboys and what Dak Prescott and them need to do, this, that, and the other. And then it's just kind of like the world's just kind of intersecting. And it was pretty dope, man. I wouldn't trade my experience at Fox Sports 1340 AM for nothing. I mean, that was that was so much love. So that's kind of how I left the shadows of Derrick Rose. And there's people that's followed me way since then. And they say it's crazy seeing him go from covering Derrick Rose to the Wizards to, you know, the NBA as a whole. Some of these young college players that end up becoming household names, Kyle Kuzma. I was Gary Goda. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Because yeah. you, I give you credit. You, in for my eyes, I put it, you put okay. Kyle Kuzma on my radar. And obviously, you know, at the time, I'm, you know, social media manager, so I'm seeing all the content. And me being a Laker fan, obviously I'm paying attention. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching. I'm like, okay, Josh, got to talk to this guy, Kyle Kuzma. All right, cool. You know, I'm not going to even say I'm the biggest follower of college basketball. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. I asked my god brother straight up. I said, hey, tell me the truth. Is Lonzo Ball the number two draft pick because of his dad, or is he that good? He was like, no, nah, <laughs> he's that good. Right, but, right. Uh, can you just talk about building that relationship with Kyle Kuzma and his whole family? Yeah, so it was funny. So what happened was I, I, I give my credit to Tony Jones, who now worked at The Athletic out there covering the Utah Jazz. So Tony and I, we were cool because Tony is one of my mentors. He was a beat writer for the Tribune out there in uh, Salt Lake City. And so um, he told me, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was covering the Utes, if I'm not mistaken. But he told me about a guy named Kyle Kuzma. And I was like, he was like, he from Michigan. He cool peoples, you know, woo woo. Well, I don't know if he was covering the Utes or he was covering the Jazz. But anyway, I know he knew Kyle Kuzma because, like, you know, obviously Tony played basketball. So, you know, they, like they, they uh, paths intersected. So um, he told me about Kyle. I had reached out to Kyle randomly on Twitter. was like, hey, what's good? Kyle Kuzma. My name is Josh Vincent. I'm from Chicago. I'm a young aspiring reporter. You know, follow me back, basically. <laughs> and so Tony was like, yeah, Kyle, he cool peoples. That's my little bro, Josh. So Kyle and I followed each other. And so later on that summer, um, I want to say it was it had to be 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Kyle was back in Flint. He was back home in Flint. And Trey Burke had a basketball camp in suburban Detroit. And if you're familiar with Michigan, suburban Detroit basically runs into Flint. They're all on Interstate 75. So me and my friend, we drove over from Chicago, about four and a half hour drive over to, you know, Southeast Michigan, basically. And so I had went to Trey Burke camp. And so uh, Kyle was texting me and he was like, well, what you want to do? You know, this, that, and the other. And so, you know, me, I'm like, oh, we by the lake. I want to go to the beach. Kyle was like, I'm not a beach person. I'm just like, oh, okay, you're no fun. So he was like, we could try to go to the Y. You know, that was his, his sacred place, like going to the YMCA. And so he was like, oh, dang, the Y going to be closed. Um, well, are you hungry? And I was like, yeah. He's like, let's meet up at my favorite restaurant. I'm like, okay, what's up? He's like, let's go to beat up Buffalo Wild Wings. So I had went to Buffalo Wild Wings with Kyle Kuzma and his little brother was there, Dre, and my friend Aaron was there. And we had eight Buffalo Wild Wings. And that was my first time meeting Kyle in person. And from then on, it was dope because it was like we had a chance to do a couple of stories together and that kind of a thing. And like Kyle was always the type that would say like, ask me your questions and then I'll tell you everything that you want to know to help make your story better. Like Kyle was always big into that. And then also Kyle was like my confidant. Kyle was the person that I would go to and complain about 
whatever that was going on in life. You know, if I was complaining about another college player not writing me back or whatever the case may be, you know, Kyle was the guy, you know, that I could talk to about any and everything. And it was really cool. And then, you know, uh, Carrie Kuzma, his mom, you know, she's very active on Twitter and stuff like that. You know, got a chance to get a chance to know her. I call her Mama Kuzma. So uh, I'm beyond excited for Kyle and his endeavors because from my seat, I remember Kyle Kuzma sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings. I remember Kyle, you know, me going out to his school a few times, crashing in his dorm and walking to University of Utah. That was my first time seeing mountains and stuff like that. Like, I remember all those fun moments. And to see Kyle on the TV, like, it's just so weird to see him. He's playing with LeBron. And to see him in his Laker jersey, and I had got last time I saw Kyle was when they played against Memphis, when I was down in Memphis, when they played against the Grizzlies. And just to see him and all these kids, coos, 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 and this coos control and all this stuff that he got going on, it's just crazy because I still remember telling Kyle, hey, man, when you make it to the league, I want to run your website. He used to say things like, man, I ain't going to have no website. I ain't going to have none of this. And I feel like, you know, now you got all of this. I should Somebody need to call Kyle Kuzma and tell him I'm waiting for my job. Because, because, because that's crazy. But no, it's definitely a blessing. Like, I'm so happy for him. It's crazy to see how he has grown into the young man that he is today. I say young man like like I'm old, but yeah, you know. <laughs> now, you um, you talked about your um, getting to know Dak Prescott a little bit. You talk yeah. about, you know, just some of your interactions with him uh, and just even in general, you and uh, our good friend, Ashley Baker. Shout out to Ashley. You guys <laughs> used to have yeah. a podcast, The Cowboy Zone. Um, yeah. Which I had the honor and pleasure of, you know, doing the graphics for y'all. Yep. Shout um, out to you. Shout out can to you. Can you just talk about, you know, what it was like to cover the Cowboys Redskins game, a huge game on Thanksgiving and to see, I, yeah, the Cowboys going and get that win. And I believe that was the day that Josh Norman and Des Bryant had their debacle. Yeah. I mean, so that, that was a lot of fun because that was the first time covering an NFL game with my colleague, Ashley. And I still remember picking her up at the airport and us going down to the Cowboys game and having so much uh, fun. And I was talking in this crazy Southern accent that I used to do even on our podcast. It was terrible. Uh, but I enjoyed working, uh, covering the Cowboys. It was a lot of fun because, see, this was when before Dak Prescott became the Dak Prescott that we know, right? You know, Dak Prescott was this guy that just ended up filling in for Tony Romo because he had that back injury. And he was out for like six to eight weeks. And Jerry Jones was still acting like he was going to put Tony Romo back in. But then Dak had went on that winning streak and it was like, you got to stay with what's hot, right? Uh, so Dak was really cool. I enjoy talking to him about bow ties because <laughs> at the time he used to wear these little bow ties or whatever. And I even bought me a bow tie. And I used to ask him like, man, when are you going to start branding this stuff out? You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to give me a Dak tie. And, you know, uh, he was always like so humble you know, very talkative, would make the time out for anybody, whether it was ESPN or little Joshua Vincent, you know, he would talk to you with no problem. Now, of course, you know, the PR people would always try to, you know, jump in, but Dak was always like that kind of a guy. So covering that Thanksgiving game was pretty dope because we actually had got credentials through the Redskins. That was actually my last game covering with the Cowboys because, you know, all heck broke loose from there. But the point that I'm making is we had <laughs> things that go too well after that. But the 
it was trial and error, right? But no, we had a great time. We had went on a field, we took pictures, uh, you know, we covered the game. And uh, like you say, that I think the Cowboys did end up, you know, uh, winning that game. And it was it was just so much fun to say we went down there. I want to say it was on Thanksgiving, right? Like we went down yep, there like Thanksgiving. on a Thanksgiving where most people want to be with a family, you know, and that kind of a thing. And we went down there covering the Cowboys game, had the, you know, time of our lives. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed that process. Like I say, even though things went crazy after that, but um, I enjoyed my process of working with Dak's brother, always writing stories. I used to just write stories about Dak like all the time. I even wrote a story talking about Dak is the type of man that we all should want to be like. And people were like, okay, <laughs> you you really doing the most right now. But it was just like, yeah, Dak was just that that amazing. And um, I, I can't wait to see him again because it's been a I can't remember the last time I saw Dak Prescott in person. It's been that long. So um, I'm hoping to maybe when the world open back up, if he's holding his camp down in Mississippi State, I'll definitely take a trip down to Stark Bowl and, uh, and see Dak. Now, no. <laughs> so you think you, you graduate from college and like, you know, everybody can't say this, but you could you had multiple offers on the table can you just talk about that process for sure okay let me give some advice i want to put some people on game always negotiate i feel like in college you're you're not really taught those things and i feel like i had a little advantage because as you just mentioned i had a lot of uh experience prior to getting my first tv job so I decided at Memphis that I wanted to go into TV. I didn't necessarily want to just go directly into print or digital. I wanted to see what the TV life was like. And so um, I had made a reel. And the first reel I made, it wasn't that it was terrible. It was that I had a Chicago White Sox hat on. Everybody was just like, bro, what are you doing? Like, are you trying to cover the news? Or are you trying to cover hood news? Like, what is really happening? So, so, so I kind of messed myself up like that. But then after that, I kind of updated the reel a little bit. And then um, I had started getting calls from the station that I'm at now, uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Monroe, Louisiana, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, You know, so there was like a bidding type situation. Like everybody wanted me at once. And so what it really just came down to for me was, you know, Chicago was home, even though. I mean, Arkansas would have been dope down at Fayetteville, you know, right there with the Razorbacks. It would have been an opportunity to maybe do some sports there. You got Monroe, Louisiana. That was a sports job that I had. So that would have been cool thinking about everything that happened in New Orleans, right? You got, uh, then they had a national championship down there, you know, LSU. Mm-hmm. So that would have been amazing, you know, plus they had, you know, some other D1 schools right there in Northern Louisiana. Uh, not to mention, you know, the Pelicans, if you want to maybe do something with them. So, uh, Madison, Wisconsin was was a tragic because it was like the, the lady had went on vacation and then I had signed my contract where I'm at now. And then she got off vacation on that Thursday and was like, hey, what's up? I'm ready to move forward. And I was just like, oh, I just signed this contract. So she was just like, oh, dang. You know, so it was kind of sad because I would have loved to have been in Madison. But I like where I'm at now. Um, even though I'm doing mostly news, I did get to cover NBA All-Star, which was pretty dope. I'm glad that my boss, you know, allowed that to happen. I'm in the shadows of Chicago. I'm only two and a half hours away from home. And that's where it really just kind of came down to being comfortable. Uh, you know, I didn't want to just go out to somewhere that was so, so far away. And even though Louisiana, Arkansas would have been fine because my parents are right there in Memphis. Um, you know, I ended up going right here to Illinois 
two and a half hours away from home. And I felt like it's a great decision. It's not perfect. You know, we have our ups and downs at my job and my, my people will tell you that, but um, we love it. And I enjoy, I enjoy coming into work every day in the morning at two 30 in the morning. I think I come in at three Oh two, but it's supposed to be two 30, but we ain't going to say nothing about that. But yeah, I come in every day with a smile on my face. Now, when you go back and can you just explain now you're, you know, born and bred sports, but a lot of times you got to take that non-sports job. Can you talk about the importance of that? Yeah. So the importance is, is really learning the art of whatever that is. So for me, if you're into sports and sports jobs are really hard to come by right now, not just because of the pandemic, but just in general. Think about your traditional TV station. You normally only have like two or three people in the sports department. You're going to have your main sport anchor or sports director, and then you're going to have maybe two other people. One person that might do like the morning show or the evening show, or one person that may also do weekends. It's not like how it may used to be where you may have five or seven people in the sports department. So you only have two or three job opportunities at one station and you times that by depending on how many different stations that's in your market, you know, those number of jobs are not as plentiful as an MMJ, for example. So for me, it was hard to transition into news as far as not getting a chance to have a particular beat per se, or going to games and, you know, covering games and knowing what I'm doing. But as far as news go, it's still the same. The art of storytelling doesn't change. You know, there's no difference between me telling you that Derrick Rose hit the last, the game winning shot versus LeBron James and the Cavs, or that a tornado just struck Davenport, Iowa. The only difference is, is maybe the tone that you will use. But in the end of the day, you still have to tell that story where people are interested into listening as to what's going on. If I come out there dry and say, yeah, Derrick Rose hit the game with a shot, you're not going to care about that. If I come out there dry and say a tornado just hit this town, you're not going to really, you're going to turn the TV, right? So I got a chance to, to, to learn how to operate the camera. I got a chance to learn what it's like to go live. I got a chance to learn, you know, what it's like to be in a breaking news situation. You know, what do you do when information is steady coming in, but your IFB, the earpiece that you have in your ear goes out and your cameraman points, or if your producer don't tell you cue and you're on live and you don't even know that you're live, right? All those little things that happen on TV all the time, but that you as the viewer don't see, you get a chance to learn that right here, being an MMJ or being a reporter at whatever market you end up going to. And so take those values and those lessons, and then hopefully you can turn that into going to ESPN or Fox Sports or The Athletic or whatever your dream goal is, or even if you plan on going into sports, you know, at the local level on television, you know, value those moments. Never be that guy or that girl that's like, oh, no, I'm sports only. I'm too good for news because you'll be chilling and you'll be chilling looking for a job for quite some time. You might not get that job right out the gate. So understand that it's always value lessons, you know, uh, in that. People might be listening to this and be like, wait a minute, he went from covering Derrick Rose to going to the cornfields of Iowa. It's so like, nah, if you think about it, the, the career is actually still going upwards. It's not going backwards, you know? So you have to, you know, understand, you know, engage your success that way and understand the lessons and values that, that you're learning and gaining every day. And, 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 and that's what I value being here every day out here in Iowa. Now, you know, what's been, the highlight of working in news and real, no, real quick question before you answer that yeah. one. 
Have you had a chance to do weather yet? That was the original <laughs> plan. <laughs> okay, so so it's, it's some controversy behind that. Okay, okay then you don't, I don't want you to get yourself in trouble. No, I ain't gonna get in trouble. No, no, no. We can talk. We can talk. This family, we can talk. Okay, so <laughs> there was a situation where I was being trained to be the weatherman, and I don't know what happened to that. It just disappeared. It was like an opportunity that was, and so now I don't know what's going on. So what I do now is being an MMJ, right? This is the cool. This is how you be slick with it. Being being an MMJ, you can still uh, accomplish your goals, but make your stories about the dream that you always want to do. So even though I'm not in front of the chroma key, the green screen, pointing out the weather and telling you what's going on, best believe anytime there's a severe weather outbreak possibility, I'm the person that say, hey, hey, I can work overtime or I can work overtime. Let me go out to the cornfields and see what happens if these storms hit this certain town and I'll be first on the scene. And I was chasing tornadoes last time. So I, I'm still fulfilling my weather dream. And now I can put on my reel. I was reporting live as a wall cloud was rotating live on television. That was Joshua Vincent out there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, always try to that's the cool thing about news you can always kind of change that into a sports story into a news story a weather story into a news story and still get a chance to do what it is that you want to do wow man that's amazing so and yeah i was gonna say what's been like the highlight as far like my favorite moment of it all probably just in the news so far like what's in the been news the so far um the highlight is working on a morning show with my coworkers, Alexandria and Redrick, and just having so much fun. I remember I did a story about exercising and we went to this hot yoga place and they threw it to me and I'm running around. I mean, I was just straight clowning, like just straight clowning. And um, it was so much fun. And, you know, the views, the retweets, the clicks, it was just a lot of fun. And so that was probably one of my highlights, just doing things that you would have never thought that you would ever do before, whether it's, you know, going hot yoga, you know, covering a crime, you know, going to Chicago and covering NBA All-Star. That was pretty dope, you know, to be a little TV station amongst all these national outlets. In the, and of course, Chicago been the third largest market in the nation. That was a lot of fun. So if you want to say like ranking them, going to NBA All-Star, being able to cover All-Star with a camera, a microphone, live in front of Chicago at the United Center, going live from Chicago on the morning show, and to be able to say reporting live in Chicago, Illinois, Joshua Vincent or Josh Vincent, that was like a dream come true. I can say I have lived my dream. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was uh, that was that was pretty awesome, and, and that's just a taste of what the future may very well hold. Now, I gotta ask you this. Okay. The title of the show is called "Breaking Through the Glass Ceiling." Breaking when did Joshua A. Vincent break through the glass ceiling? What was that moment when you knew I can do this and I'm going to be okay in my career? I would say June 10th, 2019, when WHBF, Local 4 News, Quad Cities was crazy enough to hire me. And that's when I knew. <laughs> that's when I knew. I was like, <laughs> it was that moment. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, it was getting my TV, TV job. You know, Brian, you know, a lot of times, like when you're out here trying to be a freelancer and trying to break through, 
you know, sometimes it's coming at your own expense as far as financially, you know, Mm -hmm. and that kind of a thing. Right. And you feel like you're investing into your future until, you know, the bankroll starts to come in and to say, you know, I'm a legit journalist. I got the blue check mark. And I tell people all the time, I don't pay no bills, but it look good. You know, hey, can you help me get it? Because I've been trying. Hey man, you know I be trying. I be trying to be the plug, bro. But man, my social media team don't be letting me be great. So I'm, I'm about to do so. I'm about to talk to them and see if they, you know, we, we can really make some money. You know what I'm saying? But um, <laughs> the point that I'm making is, I hear that. So they get, you know, I let the boy. But no, all jokes aside, I would say when I got uh, hired at Channel Four News out here in the Quad Cities, out here in Illinois, Iowa borderline, um, that was the moment that I knew that I made it, or making it. I guess I ain't made it yet. I'm still, you know, in the process. But um, that was the moment because. Now I could do everything that I wanted to do, you know, have a salary of doing it, you know, and living my dream, you know, of being on TV. Like, I mean, my dream, I'm, I'm on TV every day. Well, you know, lately I haven't been because we kind of did some different things with our social media team. But, uh, you know, this is that's what I do. I, I clock in and I live my dream. And my dad taught me since I was a little boy, he said, if you find you a career that you love, you will never work a day in your life. And I didn't understand what he meant by that until I started working at Channel 4 and then also the newspaper out here in Iowa, where it's like legitimately my Facebook, my professional Facebook say my hours are 3 a.m. to 5 p.m. And that's legit like the time frame that I work. It don't, it don't even feel like it. Yeah. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, people be like, man, you got to be up at what time in the morning? I'm like, bro, it's cool. I mean, I wake up, take a shower, I go to work and... I love what I do. Like I like it's 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 nothing. It's 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 like it's it's a passion. It's just like I'm I'm enjoying every day. You know, yeah, it's a workplace. You're gonna have your ups and your downs. Sometimes you might pitch a story and people be like, eh, we're good. And you're like, oh man, that was gonna be a good story. You know, sometimes those things happen, but overall, it's just like I'm living the dream. I have no complaint in the world. And so that was the moment that I knew June 10th, 2019. Hey, I broke through the glass. Hey man, I just gotta say. You know, little bro, I'm so proud of you. So happy to see how far you come. And you ain't even scratched the surface yet. <laughs> that's the I'm thing. saying, bro. That's why I be trying to tell people. I'm like, man, stay tuned, bro. Loading like <laughs> D'Angelo Russell just to say. <laughs> yeah, so before I let you get out of here, let the people know where they can find you. Yo, where they can find out. the blue check. The blue check, all three. I got a three, three of a kind. Three of a kind. Hey, don't let me get on LinkedIn. You know they're going to give me a check. Okay. You know, I'll go to <laughs> All jokes aside, uh, follow your boy, the Josh A. Benson, V like Victor, I-N-S-O-N, Twitter, Instagram, and my professional Facebook. Y'all ain't ready for my ratchet Facebook, so I'm just going to give y'all my professional for right now. <laughs> yeah, they, ain't they, they ain't ready for that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's where it goes down, but no. But no, follow me. And if y'all have any questions, one thing, one thing about me, I'll just say this real quick. I'm always available. That's why my phone number is on Facebook right now. I'm well, one of them. I'm always available for anybody to call. Hey, I'm an aspiring young reporter. I was thinking about doing this, that, and the other. I'm getting ready to graduate college. What should I do? I'll put you on game. Negotiating, how to find your job, what's real, what's fake. I'll let you know because I'm in it and I did it. So holla at your boy. I'm always available. They did it for me. People like Tony Jones and Keith and, and, uh, Clarence Hill, I can just go, I can just name everybody, but we ain't got the time for it. But all those people, Marcus Thompson, you know, you know how black people, we like to shout out people. Everybody did it for me. I, I, they always told me, 
you know, when the next person come up, you know, extend that hand and my hands are wide open. Anybody that needs some help, let me know. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard him. His hands are wide open. Josh, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Yo, Brian, I appreciate you too, bro. All right, folks, that's it for this week's episode of Breaking Through the Glass Ceiling. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Joshua A. Vincent. Make sure you guys give him a follow. Next week, I bring on education reporter Kenya hunter and i promise you you will enjoy this and you'll learn a lot as i did so you know the deal make sure you do not let anybody put up a ceiling that you can't break through this podcast was recorded and edited by b waters productions the music by hypno beats make sure you follow him at hypno underscore